Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Live from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the Total Education Show, the talk shop for teachers, parents, and administrators. Here's your host of the show, Neil Haley, the Total Tutor. David, are you on the line? Yes, sir. All right, so I'm excited yes, to welcome to the program David Krumholtz of Sausage Party. David, thanks for calling. Two great shows. I loved you, and I loved you in numbers, and my kids loved you in all the Santa Clauses. So uh, once I showed my daughter your picture and said, I'm going to be interviewing you today, all my kids are really always excited. And that's just such a classic every Christmas, isn't it, David? Yeah, it is. Uh, You know, it's it's taken on a whole new life as a sort of a classic film. And it's a go-to during Christmas time. They play it on every station, it seems. And, uh, and it's really nice. I've, I, I'll tell you, I, I've met a lot of people who um, are obsessed with it. Believe it or not, Kim Kardashian told me that she's seen it over 100 times. Um, so really? it's a genuine go-to during the holiday season. That's right. So I'll put you on my list of celebrities I've interviewed from Christmas movies. Uh, I had the bully okay, from uh, the, Christmas sto- the Christmas Story. I had the one uh, guy uh, from... Uh, National Plant Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, so we'll add that to the mix. But let's kind of go into sausage. Uh, this is, a, as, as I was watching a lot of your different interviews, this is definitely not a movie uh, for kids, but this is one of the most uh, funny, funny films, especially people have been talking about it all the time, about, you know, specifically the, 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 the humor and everything involved in this for the adults that really enjoy uh, this kind of a movie, right? Yeah, I mean this. It's it's um, the, the the movie is more than a film. It's it's like a thrill ride, really. Um, it uh, once it starts, it never lets up. Uh, it is definitely strictly made for adults, um, and yeah, we got away with it somehow. <laughs> um, people are really enjoying it. The film is uproariously funny. It's belly laugh funny. Um, people are hooting and hollering in the movie theaters. They've never seen anything like it. In that way, it's really groundbreaking. Um, I would, I would venture to say it's a, you know, a groundbreaking original piece of cinema. Um, the movie has some social commentary to it. It has, uh, some real, um, uh, great character, uh, depth. And, um, it's, uh, it's definitely something to behold. It's a spectacle, if you will. <laughs> Um, you definitely get your money's worth when you go see Sausage Park. Yeah, I remember when Seth was promoting it during the NBA Finals. He was just absolutely mm-hmm. hilarious about and I saw the trailers for this, and then I was talking to a lot of people that I've talked about who've uh, seen the trailers and stuff, and they can't wait. You know, David, looking at, you know, hooking up with Seth and stuff, when you knew you were going to do the project with him, I'm sure you were excited for sure. Yeah, Seth and I have been friends for about 18 years. Um, We've known each other really well, and we'd worked together briefly before on a couple of things, but this was the first time uh, I think we really worked in depth with each other. And, and yeah, it's great, man. It's great to work with your friends. It's a dream come true. It's a pinch-yourself moment. You know, like it's hard to believe that you get to – that someone is paying you to have fun um, and, 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 you know, and make, make something really special with your friends. So, and it's great working with him. He's a, he's a wonderful guy and he's brilliant. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, when I look at uh, the storyline, I just read the storyline and, you know, they, I just can imagine, I guess it's what the words out of everyone's mouth. Just imagine if you were a sausage and you were trying to make sure that you would not be uh, uh, consumed. That's pretty much the storyline, right? And they have to figure out a way to That's get out of it. Pretty there much the story. Yes, and then um, yes, I don't want to give too much away, but 
when they realize that getting out is not necessarily an option, they decide to enjoy themselves in a different way. They decide to throw <laughs> caution to the wind and enjoy themselves in a much more lascivious uh, way. But uh, that's that remains to be seen. you got to go see it, man. But do not Absolutely. bring your daughter. Definitely. And under any circumstances whatsoever. Now, my, any of my kids, David, they will, my oldest is 11, and she's the one that recognized you. But I have to show the picture to the other kids. I just showed it to her because we were up later last night talking. And uh, I have five kids, David. <laughs> but God I think you. it's great that you're bringing back the uh, these animated things, especially. And you said it's you think it's one of the dirtiest films you got away with, right, David? For sure, I was seeing that in one of the interviews. Um, it, it, look, it, look. If if you if you want to see something that's un, that's as uncensored as any piece of art will ever get, and is also uproariously funny, then this movie's for you. I mean, I, I think that's what's wonderful about it is that there's nothing held back. Um, you know, there's no political correctness to it. There's no um, shame in any of it. It really is uncensored. Uh, I doubt there'll be a director's cut of this movie, you know, cause everything's laid out on the table. So if you want to see something that's pure, that's the pure vision of the filmmaker with nothing cut back, uh, then sausage parties. For you. <laughs> yeah. So it's definitely sausage party is in theaters, right? Uh, and uh, best place we can find information on you as well so people can follow you, find out what's going on with you, because I know you have other projects coming up as well at this time. Yeah, um, well, I'm on Twitter at Mr. Dave Krumholtz, Mr. Dave Krumholtz. Um, that's pretty much where everybody can find me and watch and, you know, read my lunacy and my weirdness and uh, find out about projects that I have coming out. Well, I, I, I loved you in numbers as well, David. Thanks for coming on. I'm definitely going to take my wife and I to go see Sausage Party on a date night, uh, and then I'll have to tweet it out once I see it and tell you what I, what I thought of it and everything. Okay, David? Yeah, ha- have a drink before you see it. Have a drink. It <laughs> I will, drink. David. And if you okay, or some, whatever you do cool. to loosen up, a massage, something, Absolutely. you're going to need it. Sausage Party in theaters now. David Crumholtz, thanks for calling, man, and take care. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. You're on the Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back. Dustin, are you on the line? I am. Awesome. I'm excited to welcome the program for CW's Jane the Virgin, Justin Baldoni. Justin, thanks for calling. And uh, this docu-series coming up, My Last Days, August 17th, 18th, and 19th on the CW. What a tremendous story and something that people, everyone needs to watch for sure. I mean, how did you get Thank involved? Thank you so much. Tell us about so, how you got involved. Uh, yeah. My Last Days was an idea that uh, came to me about four and a half years ago, five years ago. I'd actually left the acting business and uh, was just focused on directing and producing and starting to create content that I thought could make the world a better place. And I grew up uh, in the Baha'i faith. And if you don't know what the Baha'i faith is, it's a world religion that believes in love and unity and and that all the religions agree at the core, you know, that man screwed up everything. But at the, at the core, we all believe the same thing, and we're all trying to get to the same place. And one of the things gotcha. that is talked about a lot is this idea of death and our mortality and how if we think about the fact that we're mortal and if we think about death, it will actually influence the way we live because it's the one thing that we all have in common. You know, as scary and as much as it sucks, we're all going to lose our grandparents. We're all going to lose our parents one day, and, you know, eventually we're not going to be here. So we got to kind of think about what we're going to bring with us. We've got to pack our bags. We've got to, you know, prepare ourselves emotionally and, you know, treat life a certain way. And I realized that, you know, I'm a, I'm a procrastinator. I think a lot of people my age are procrastinators. But we shouldn't be procrastinating to live the lives we want to live until it's too late. So I wanted to create a show that celebrated life and inspired people to really live uh, through the stories of people who just didn't have that much time left. Because the one thing that they all wish they had was time. The one thing they yes. all wish they yes. had was, uh, was six more months or another two years. And those right. of us that do, right. we should be living for them. Yes. 
and that's such a great point that you make, and I think that the whole fact of the matter is when you go through a terminally ill and you know you have a certain amount of time to live, that, that live this like it's your last day on earth. That's a, a definite thing, the thought process. People worry too much. They look at tomorrow instead of focusing on today because you never know when that time will come. And and that's what it sounds like you're looking at these people in this in this documentary that know they're going to die, but yet are still trying to live life to the fullest, right? Yeah, it almost kind of makes you, it makes them live more, right? right. Like, it's, they like take, it's, everything's, everything's more rich, everything's more beautiful. Sunsets are more beautiful, you know? But I'm sitting right now in front of a, in front of a park, a beautiful little park here in L.A., and I'm looking at it, I'm like, wow, this is so beautiful. And if, I don't know if I would think that way if I wasn't doing this show, and I wasn't surrounded by people that literally just take in every single moment because they need to because they have to and we have that same opportunity you know it's that exists for every one of us every one of us that's listening every one of us that's not listening you tell your friends and family we have that same chance to appreciate every moment and do what we can you know it's all here it's in front of us and Justin, that's the point. Yeah, it's all here in front of us. So we don't need to be worrying about how much money we have. We don't need to be worrying about uh, what's happening, what someone's saying about us. Every last breath we have, we need to live to the fullest. We need to do things to serve others, but we also need to do things that are going to be enjoyable so we don't eat our bodies away of worry, fear, anxiety, and uh, hatred, right? Sure. I mean, those are the, those are those things are the real cancer, and um, and one of the interesting things is that you know, look, none of us are ever going to do this perfectly. No one's going to like. Doesn't matter who you are, and, and and even the people that find out they're dying, they still don't get to. You know, not every single breath is spent saying good things. You know, it's just impossible to be perfect and to always think that way. But if you try, you know, if you change your perspective and you reframe whatever you're struggling with in your life, and you just reframe it by being grateful that you're even able to have that struggle, then that can change the whole perspective on what you're going through. And that's why this show, that's why we made this documentary series about these people is because that's what they're doing every single day. You know, every single day they all have their versions of these obstacles that they're overcoming and they're finding a way to be happy despite that. And that's so inspiring to me. So it's a very inspirational show. It's a happy show. It's not a morbid, it's not, it's not going to make you depressed when you watch it. It's going to make right. you want to live so the people that you're in this docu series for the three days, how did you kind of find those people that are have terminal illnesses and stuff to follow? So it was a mix of uh, you know casting and also uh, social media and uh, luck and God's grace. Um, you know we found that a lot of people that find out they're terminal tend to go to social media and to YouTube and to blogging because right. One thing everybody wants is to have their story told. They want to be remembered. They want to leave something behind and, and you know, use what use what they're going through to help others. And um, and it was really really cool to be able to you know, I mean, I even found some people on Instagram because they would hashtag terminal cancer. Um, and uh, yeah, wow. and you, we do these pre-interviews and we tell them what we're doing, and they're like, yes, I want to have my story told. And we dive in. Have that story told, and I think that's the the most important part of this is having their story told. So people are going to laugh, they're going to cry, they're, they're going to be happy, and it's going to change a lot of perspectives. I think this is what your goal was, Justin, is for people to change their perspective after watching this and seeing people living life to the fullest and saying, what are you doing on this couch? What are you doing moping around? Live life. That's it, man. That's exactly it. You know, young people today are faced with so many different t- challenges than, you know, I was faced. I'm 32. And, you know, now you have social media and you have Snapchat and you have Instagram and you have the comparison of your life to somebody else's on a daily basis right in front of you. You know, and, you ha- and, and work is hard and, you know, all of these things. And, you know, uh, it's just you, we need something to change the conversation, to take it off of us. You know, because right now everything is engineered to be I, 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 me, 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 me. It's all about like, you know, this and this. But what if it was changed? What if it was we? What if it was taking it off of me and making it about you and being of service? And what if it was that? What if that was the way to find happiness? And this this show dives into all of those little things without preaching, but you just get to watch people that are doing it. 
And if we can change a couple perspectives, you know, if a couple people use, you know, pick up the phone after they watch and they're like, you know what, Mom, I haven't talked to you in a while. I love you so much. Thank you. Or, right. I'm, you know what, this is a stupid fight that we're in. Let's end it. Those kinds of things, if we can do that, then we succeeded. Well, Justin, you're doing God's work, and that's all I'm going to bring up in my faith, in my belief system, that you're doing God's work, and you're really trying to show people that we are given time to do great things, and let's do them. We all can do great things. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter our, our, our socioeconomic background, anything. We all can do great things by just smiling and by serving others and helping others. And I can just see that. I saw some of the things on YouTube about you in education as well, uh, Justin, and that's my big, uh, big push as well as education and helping. And I see a lot of different things you're involved in and you're really using your celebrity status for the best. Okay. So on the 17th, 18th and 19th of August, people need to tune into the CW. What time, Justin, uh, should they turn in? Tune in. Yeah, so uh, if you're on the East Coast and West Coast, it's 9 p.m., and if you're uh, Central Time, it's 8 p.m. So 9 p.m., 8 Central on the CW, and thank you so much for watching and for giving us your time. And I I hope uh, and I know that if you do tune in, you will not be disappointed. And bring your families together. Watch this with your families, like what what TV used to be about. Get everyone together, sit on the couch Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and watch this show. Absolutely, and uh, also uh, your season soon comes for another season of Jane and the Virgin, right? When does that come up? In October, yeah. correct? Yeah, we started shooting that. We started shooting that, and uh, we're shooting season three now, and it's uh, mid-October, I believe, it starts to air again on the CW. So, yeah, man, God is good. So many blessings, and uh, and hopefully we'll continue to do some good stuff with it. How can we follow you on social media? What's your Twitter account to follow you? Sure, my Twitter, uh, it's just my name, Justin Baldoni, on Twitter, on Instagram, and uh, Snapchat, and God, whatever else they invent next. Hopefully, won't be spending too much time on those. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, it's all, uh, everything, I try I try to use that to inspire people, too, and you won't see too many shirtless selfies of me, unfortunately, but uh, or fortunately, depending on who you are. Um, yeah, so it's all good. All right. It's all good stuff in our world. Fantastic, and you also have the CW Upfront presentation as well and, um, and uh, at CWTV.com, correct? Yeah, so you can go to CWTV.com and you can, you, know, you can watch the My Last Days episodes after they air, and they're actually, you can actually watch, they're longer. You can watch the 30-minute versions online. We're showing 18-minute versions, so if you love the stories, you want to go deeper and, and see more of the backstory and see more of who they are, then you can watch them online on CW. TV.com, and there's a new platform called CW Good, where it's going to be all of this kind of stuff on CW. Well, Justin, thanks for calling. Best of luck in this next season. Best of luck on this event. I know it did really well the last time. My last days. Everyone needs to tune in the 17th, 18th, and 19th. Thanks for calling, Justin. Take care. Thank you. Thank you so much, man. All right, take care. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show. We'll- Hi, everyone, and welcome to Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, Google Plus, and also on Periscope, at Total Tutor. And I'm excited to welcome the program actor and comedian, Stephen Kramer Glickman from Warner Brothers. Yo! Stephen, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? Fantastic, man, and then let's kind of go in kind of one connection you and I have. It's just a little one. I interviewed uh, Kendall Schmidt from uh, Big Time Rush about four months ago about his new album release. So that was really your oh yeah the, the big break you had was Big Time Rush, right? For sure. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, that was the big uh, that was the big break for me, and uh, it you know totally changed my life. It was. It, was completely insane it changed all of our lives everybody that was in that on that show you know we were all uh you know just kind of we'd all done a little bit of television or acting on a couple little shows you know but uh but that was the first time that it was like whoa we you know we you know we're 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 doing well in the ratings and it was crazy man it was like uh you know almost five years almost five years of doing that show yeah so that's great to have a working gig like that for five years isn't it Oh, it was the best, man. It was such a, a, a extremely wonderful time. So, Stephen, another, another connection I have, and, and this is me reading Wikipedia, 
is Eric the trainer made a big transformation in your life as well, and I've interviewed him as well. Oh wow, that's so cool! Yeah, he's a uh, he's incredible. Yeah, when we were um, when I got cast on Big Time Rush, I've always been kind of a fat guy. Like I've always been kind of a heavy guy my whole life. And uh, you know, you you always kind of say like, oh, at some point I'm gonna change. I'm gonna you know take. I'm gonna try to try to be better. But then uh, when once I got on the TV show, you know, there was you know I. I'd never been able to, uh, you know, to, uh, you know, you have craft service, you know, there's food always on set and there's food everywhere. And, and, uh, you know, I put on some, uh, some weight, but the set, the guys didn't mind because when you're a fat, funny guy, you know, it's a, uh, it's great. People love, you know, fat, funny guys. And, uh, they don't, they don't live very long, you know, but they do love, uh, you know, you know, big, uh, big giant, you know, fat guys. And so then, uh, while we were doing the show uh, somewhere during the middle of it, I was like, yeah, I'm like, uh, I was like 380 pounds. That was huge. Oh and I was, and like the network thought it was, the network thought it was hilarious and everybody thought it was very fun and funny and liked the, you know, liked what I was doing. And, um, but I was like, yeah, I got to lose some weight. And so I got hooked up with, um, Eric, the trainer through James Maslow and uh, who was on the show, who was training with him. And Eric, uh, in less than a year, I lost 110 pounds. That's great. And he yeah. just, yeah, he just, he just beat me up and got me, got my weight way down. And, and uh, I'm, for the most part, I've, I've kept a lot of it off and I've, you know, st- I'm, I'm a lot healthier than I was for sure. And now I'm kind of like in that, you know, in the, in like the, I'm kind of like uh, Kevin James big, you know, where it's like, yeah. it's not too, it's not too big. It's not like embarrassing. It's like just regular, regular big guy size. So um, I'm healthy though. And fine. And he, uh, he did an awesome job. I love Erica trainer. I, I still go to him all the time. Oh, dude. So I'll tell him I said hello. Cause I definitely had him on my uh, television slash radio show. And I just thought, and I read that on wiki, I'm like, okay, or I don't know why I read it. Who knows, Stephen, when you do research on people. Well, no, so he, from that experience, he, he, introduced after, me, he introduced me to this, yeah. uh, well, he introduced me to this, uh, this very interesting thing. Uh, it's called fruit. I don't know if you ever had that, uh, <laughs> fruit. Very good. Also salad. I'd never heard of this salad, but terrific, terrific stuff. Really interesting. All right, so after the show ends, uh, as your role as Gustav, Gustavo, it basically, yeah. everything, well, what's next in your career? Just to give us a heads up before we get to Storks, because, I, I get, again, it's so oh, funny. Sure, I was, sure. uh, yeah, I saw Dory, and I saw the trailer for Storks there with my kids, and I said to myself, I said, I guarantee you, I bet you there's going to be a radio tour coming or something coming where I'm going to end up promoting Storks. And they're like, you know, Dad, really? Because I've been doing a lot of these different things lately. And they're like, yeah, it's going to happen. And so I was right. But let's go to what happened after the show. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, first thing, a lot of crying. Uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, No, uh, (laughs) no, when the show ended, you know, it was hard because, you you know, you're – I was there for almost five years and I love these guys. And we all, you know, kind of came up together and, and it was, uh, it was tricky right after it was over to try to figure out, you know, what to do uh, next. Um, so uh, I got doing, uh, I've been doing stand up for about 15 years, but I was like, I'm going to go back and to do more stand up and work on, um, you know, uh, putting together a live show at the, at the Hollywood improv. Right. And so I started, uh, I got back into that. Then I did, I got, you know, I would do stand up a, you know, a bunch of nights a week and, and, you know, get back in the, in the game and, you know, get performing with like Tom Segura and with all these other phenomenal, you know, comedians and, you know, see everybody around. And that was really nice. And then I got cast on workaholics as the special guest star for the finale of, uh, it was like the fourth season. And, um, I think they're in their fifth right now. And so that was like, that was kind of nice. And I was like, you know, just kind of bouncing around, like having a lot of fun and, uh, and, you know, working as, as much as I can and just, uh, just kind of enjoying myself and enjoying the process. And then, uh, Storks came along and, you know, it was, uh, from the beginning, 
even from the beginning, it was, uh, you know, it's hands down one of the best experiences I've ever had in my life. Like, you know, getting to work with Nick Stoller and, uh, you know, and Brad Lewis and Doug Sweetland. I mean, these are guys, you know, uh, just to give you an idea, like Brad, you know, Brad Lewis uh, was the EP on Ratatouille, which I love that movie. I'm a huge Pat Oswalt fan and, and so incredible. And then Doug Sweetland is like a Pixar guy. And so he was, you know, worked on Monsters Inc. and worked on, you know, Toy Stories and all Incredibles and all that kind of stuff. So you have that guy. And then you have Nick Stoller, who's like forgetting Sarah Marshall, uh, get him to the Greek, Muppets, Neighbors, you know, like that guy is comedy gold. So, yes. you know, getting to be in a room with those guys in, is insanity. And then on top of that, you know, the movie's being produced by the same guys who did Lego movies. So you have, um, you know, Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, you know, then yeah. those guys are like 21 Jump Street, you know, I mean, like, you know, the movies and stuff, they're, they're amazing. You know, they're, they're coming up on the new Star Wars film that they're directing. So, you know, you're suddenly surrounded by these amazing, incredible people. Yeah. And on top of that, which is even, even crazier is like, just the sound guy, just the guy running the soundboard is like, you know, just got off working on frozen, you know, and, and the, uh, you know, yeah. the person giving you notes, you know, just got off working on finding Dory or whatever. And everybody's amazing. So it was, uh, it was really neat for me. I never have been, uh, you know, in a situation like that. I mean, big time rush was a lot of fun, but this is, this is a whole different level of stuff and it's, it's really exciting. So, yeah, and see, it seems like you're so excited. I'm so glad, again, because I, I think the film's going to be great. And, again, with the talented people around, and we'll talk about that that whole process a little bit more about Storks. But you – come on now, Stephen, you're with winners. Look how many years, how successful, again, big-time rushes. So let's see, let's see you put your yeah. name to Storks and – what happens next? It's just like, you know, you go through these things and then the next opportunity comes. Now, when you audition for this, have you ever done animated stuff before? Been in part of a voice? You know, as an I, had, I had only, uh, I had never done an animated movie. I've never done a movie. So um, I was on an animated series that Hulu did that was like an, a Hulu original animated series about, about six, seven years ago. Um and that was like, I was like a serious regular on that. And we did like 25 episodes and it was really dirty and weird, but that was it. Like I, aside from that, it's all, it's just been like something I've, I've dreamed of doing and I've auditioned for a lot of stuff and gotten close on things. And, uh, but, but it never, you know, really happened. And, uh, the way that it, the way that it worked on this is, um, I was a scratch vocalist on the movie where uh, like a rough draft voice because yeah. I'd never been in a movie before. They were like, yeah, you can come in and, you know, be scratched. Like you'll just t- try out, try it out, you know? So it was like me and like 10 other, you know, scratch vocal actors that are very talented. And we all just would come in and we'd play around and make everyone laugh and have a good time. And uh, the, the voice that I was doing was so weird and there were so many pieces to it because uh, I, the character sings, so I do a song in the movie and all this other stuff. Oh, they, they, they just uh, they find out after like about two years of working on it, they were like, "Hey, guess what? You're you're going to keep your part. You're going to be in the actual movie," and that uh, that changed everything. Wow! And so this is like a this is like a dream come true. You weren't expected to do much. Yeah. But- get a couple bucks to do a couple little things. You never thought you'd be in the film and then bam, they love your voice. And yeah, I look really, out, voice acting. I really yeah. didn't. Like, I really didn't take the job as a scratch person kind of going like, Oh, I'm going to get to be, in. I really thought that like, I would just have fun. Like, I was just like, well, I'm just having fun. I even, you know what, what I even did too is uh, just in kind of hopes that like, maybe I'd, I'd get to, I'd get to keep, I'd get to keep, I'd get to be in a, it, for like one or two lines. I said, Hey, is there any other extra characters that have not been voiced yet that I could just, you know, step in and uh, do a little extra voice. And they were like, well, there's this monkey, there's uh, 
you know, there's a, like a snow monkey, there's a rabbit, there's a polar bear. We haven't, we haven't gotten anybody for those yet. And I was like, can I, can I do those voices? And they were like, well, I mean, for now, if you want to, I don't know what they would sound like, but go for it. And so then I did, um, the, the snow monkey, I did him kind of like a little bit like, a, like, like kind of like this, like kind of told like, like this guy. And I don't know why, like, yeah. I don't know why I would pull and make like a snow monkey talk like this, you know, but like I try to make it yeah. kind of like a little bit like that. Right. And then, uh, the polar bear, I did the, the polar bear down here. Like he was like, uh, you know, like, uh, like he was like from Brooklyn or something, you know? So I did yeah. that and then. And then for the rabbit, I did, uh, I tried to do it kind of like this. You know, I did like, dude, this dude is crazy. I don't know who this dude is. That dude is out of his <laughs> mind. I don't, what kind of stork is that? I've never seen a stork that looks like that before. So I did that. And they were like, this is hilarious. And, and I just thought maybe they'll just, you know, get, maybe they'll, they'll hire some super famous guy to take over Pigeon Toady. And, uh, and then I'll get to keep one of the other voices and get to be, and then, uh, and then I, I got cast as Pigeon Toady and the other guys. So I do all four oh, wow. of these characters in the movie, which is super, super cool and like really fun. So let's talk about the character P- Pigeon Toady. I'm glad there's other ones. So when I take my kids to see Storks in September, in theaters in September, I will say I know four of them. The kids are getting a kick out of some of these animated people I've interviewed uh, lately, especially uh, and and producers. I ended up uh, luckily a lot of these uh, really awesome films, but I've been hearing a lot of good things about this, and for sure. So, Pigeon Toady, what's here about this character? Sure. Sorry. Well, Pigeon Toady is like he's ridiculous. He's like you know, like that that guy who like agrees with everything that you say, and then. If you if if like you had a difference of opinion, uh, he would agree with that. Like he'll just he'll contradict himself to like kind of stay in the mix. You know that's that's what this guy is like. He's very um, you know no. It seems like it seems like he has no backbone. It seems like he's just this you know kind of yes bird maybe right. Right. Um, but secretly he's trying to figure out a way to take over Stork Mountain. He like he wants to be in charge. Like he is a power hungry little monster with a bad toupee. Like he's just a <laughs> lot he's a lot of fun. He's a great character and uh and like he definitely wants to have friends, you know, but he'll step over them if you know, he'll step on them if he needs to. Like he's, you know, uh, he's, he's, you know, kind of a bad guy, but, you know, kind of a, kind of like a poor ex- excuse of a bad guy. You know, he's kind of a doofus. Right. It's a very fun, so is very he the fun main character. Villain? Is he the main villain in the story? Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I think there's a couple villains in the story, you know, there's a couple of characters that are kind of like that, but, um, he's definitely one of the main villains, if not the main villain. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk a little about Storks, the storyline of Storks. Sure, 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 sure. So the the movie is is basically that um, uh, Storks used to deliver babies, but then uh, they stopped doing that for like a, a you know a reason. There was a there was an issue with shipping, and they just decided, you know what, we'll make more money and be more profitable if we just uh, you know ship packages like Amazon. And so they oh become gosh. like the Amazon of the sky. So like, you know, they, uh, they take packages and drop them off at people's homes, like directly to their homes. And, you know, um, basically uh, a baby gets uh, an, a- the baby making machine gets activated by accident and a baby gets made. And uh, now it's up to, you know, Andy, Andy Sandberg's character and Katie crown who plays the only human that lives on Stork mountain. It's up to, uh, like a, a stork and a lady to get this baby to its rightful uh, family uh, back, uh, you know, back uh, in, you know, at, down, down where the people live. So uh, yeah. Pigeon Toady kind of catches whiff of this and is trying to take down Andy Samberg's character. Interesting. So working with Jennifer yeah. Aniston and Ty Burrell too, that's pretty cool, right? 
oh man, so talented, so funny. Um, I can't, I just, I can't believe it. I'm such an enormous fan of, you know, Modern Family and such a huge, huge, huge Friends fan. And, and just a, I mean, just a, just a fan in general. I mean, I, you know, I, I've loved, uh, I've honestly loved Jennifer Aniston since, since, uh, maybe like Office Space, right? Um, oh, yeah. oh, but yeah. she's, and, She's incredible. She's so cool. I'm like, I'm such a, I'm such a big fan of her and very, very excited. And she's, she's fantastic in the movie. So funny. That character is so neat that she plays. It's just such a, uh, such a solid role. And, uh, and yeah, she's great. Ty Burrell is great. Key and Peele, uh, Keegan, Michael Key and, um, Jordan Peele are absolutely phenomenal in the movie as the wolves they're so funny and uh if you've seen any of the previews you've seen them you know be hysterical but there's way more there's so many surprises they're great and uh i got to work uh one-on-one with kelsey Grammer a bunch which was you know just oh. kind of around him yeah. which was amazing and uh because we're such opposites my character is just such a jack just such a jackass in comparison and and uh kelsey is so serious and very very put together so um it was neat he was super super great and uh andy's terrific and you know every everybody involved katie crown who plays the the main girl in it uh she was also a scratch vocalist and the the studio fought they fought to keep her and she's amazingly amazingly talented and uh, this is a big deal for her too. So a lot of exciting things happening with you for sure, uh, Stephen. And this is hopefully, as you say, next the next level. We'll see if Storks continue the, the success of it. I've, again, with the talent that's around it and the storyline and something that kids will like and also adults. What a, what a great thing for sure. What date does Storks come yeah. out in theaters? Do you know. It comes out uh, September 22nd in theaters. Uh, It'll be, you know, and then uh, I believe the following week throughout the rest of the world. Yeah, in the U.S., I believe it's the 22nd, September 22nd. Wow, a lot of fun things. Where's the best place we can find information on you, Stephen, and learn more about you, you know, social media-wise and all that? Of course. Sure, sure, sure. So um, on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube, you can find me at Stephen Glickman. It's just S-T-E-P-H-E-N Glickman, G-L-I-C-K-M-A-N. That's, uh, you know, for Twitter, Instagram, and uh, and YouTube. And then uh, if you are in Los Angeles or ever you're ever out here in L.A., come check out the nighttime show. It's uh, the only live late-night show in Los Angeles. We do it at the Hollywood Improv with, like, amazing, fun, special guests, and I host that show. And if you're not in Los Angeles, if you go on uh, iTunes, you can always look up the nighttime show on there, and there it's a great podcast, and we interview a lot of uh, you know, movie and TV showrunners and producers, and it's very, very hall. It's very Hollywood, bro. It's super Hollywood. So that's gonna be good. Thanks, thanks for interviewing me, and uh, I hope I hope you enjoy the movie. I'm gonna enjoy the movie. I'll tweet it out when when I go. Maybe do a quick little uh, thing and for sure. I will. The, we we made it with our five kids to our first movie. All five of them together. Dory. So we have to make it an event in September to Storks. Okay? Terrific. I can't wait. I can't wait. This is so exciting, man. Thanks again. All right. Take care, Stephen. Thanks for calling, man. See ya. You bet. Right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show. We'll be back. Everyone, and welcome to the Total Celebrity Show. You can check me out on Twitter, at Total Tutor, Neil S. Haley, Facebook, LinkedIn, Neil Haley, Instagram, Total Tutor, Pinterest, Neil Haley, and Google+, and also on Paris. At Total Tutor. I'm excited to welcome the program from Netflix's Degrassi, the next class, Anya Anna Golia. Anya Anna, thanks for calling and how are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Neil. How are you? Fantastic, fantastic. So let's go into this thinking about Degrassi. Uh, I remember Degrassi Junior High. So when you were approached for this project, you were kind of surprised again for the, the spinoff, right? I was. As soon as we had no idea what was going on 
um, the inner workings of this whole Netflix deal. Um, but we got this email saying, you know, the show was canceled and and we were all worried. We're like, oh, do we have jobs? Are we going back to work? What's the deal? <laughs> and then thankfully Netflix saved the day. Interesting. So so this developed the next class before Netflix then, if you're going back to the days of the history of Degrassi Junior High. Remember that? And, and, and I don't know if I'm dating myself or stuff. Remember how popular that show was in Canada, especially being from, being from Canada. Right, Anna? Absolutely. It's, uh, Degrassi is, is a classic. It's, it's legendary. It's such an honor to be part of such a legacy. Oh, absolutely, and and when you think of, of, of that that legacy and stuff like that, so Netflix picks it up. Netflix has picked up a lot of different things, and there you go. And the opportunity came. And I guess being again from Canada, that's that's an awesome thing. So tell me about a little bit about your character. My character has gone on quite the journey. Um, she came onto the show in season thirteen of just Degrassi. And she was kind of the queen bee of the school, uh, very into, you know, all the drama of high school. And she went on quite a journey, got um, sexually assaulted in season 13, and that kind of really, really affected her, of course, as it would. Um, And then season 14, she kind of took charge of her body and uh, got into some trouble through uh, our version of Snapchat. And then um, with Degrassi Next Class, Zoe's really been struggling to find out um, who she really is and struggling with her sexuality. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. So basically going through this process of, 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 of figuring out who she is for sure. Absolutely. The typical teen struggle, right? Yeah, it's definitely the typical uh, teen struggle. And that's what makes Degrassi so interesting because, again, they talk about lots of teenage issues that people go through on a daily basis for sure. Exactly. Tell me a little bit about more of your cast, the cast you're with, uh, who else you're working with and stuff on the show. The cast is literally like my second family, cast and crew. Uh, everyone is just so incredibly talented, and so we all have one goal, which is to make the best show possible and positive, positively impact as many people as possible um, and really spread the message of you are never alone. Um, but, yeah, we just have so much fun when we're together. Um, even when we're filming, we still hang out together offset. It's it really is like a second family. It, def- it definitely it seems like that. And that's what you've learned in acting, right, is especially if the cast gets along, then it's going to be a much be- easier place to go to work every day, right? Absolutely, yeah. Just like any workplace, for sure. Uh, any workplace, for sure. One of the other things you did before uh, joining Degrassi uh, that's really interesting is, again, and it, it kind of goes back into this Olympics thing, is uh, uh, Full Out. And uh, tell us a little about Full Out. So Full Out is based on a true story um, about a gymnast who qualifies to go to the Olympics and then gets into a tragic car accident. So it's all about her rehabilitation and finding a love for dance and ultimately um, achieving her dreams and ends up going to her dream school, which is UCLA for gymnastics. Oh, wow. So she had the, she, the injury caused the, the and then she still was able to overcome then in the show, in the movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's truly a, a remarkable story. And when I was, given the script and um i just i just connected so much to to ariana to the to the lead character saw a lot of myself in her of course i don't know how i would ever handle the hardships that she went through but um just the core characteristics of who we are i just found we had so much in common and i couldn't let a story like this slip through my fingers so um so thankfully, it all worked out, and I was able to do it. 
And now again, the relevancy comes back from the film after again uh, re- receiving award nominations and stuff. And now you can really talk about it more with the Olympics and watching the Olympics. Did you get a chance to tune in to see the five? Uh, the five, five there. I, I'm sorry, you're cutting out a little bit, but I, I think the I fi- heard final, the final the five, Anna. Anna, the final five. Oh, five. I unfortunately I I caught snippets, but I was filming Degrassi. Like we were we were at our peak, um, right right when the Olympics were happening are happening. Um, so unfortunately, I didn't get to see as much as I wanted to. But my goodness, these girls! After training for the film, I have a, a whole new respect for for gymnasts. My goodness, it's such such an incredible world. Oh, it's 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 so incredible, Anna, and it's like it's like you're you're just blown away to see, you know, how much time they had to spend. So the story that you played, and having that injury, caused such uh, to come back from that when you know how many hours of training they do already. You know. Mhm. Even even I trained a bunch just for the film to you know kind of get in that, you know, in the headspace of a of an Olympic athlete and my goodness, I, I really don't understand how, how they do it. It's, it's, it's a struggle, but at the end of the day, as long as they love it, that's all that matters. That's definitely all that matters. And you're not, we're not done yet. We've talked about Degrassi. We've talked about full out. And then I look and I see also your talent as a singer and your album soon is coming out. So tell us a little about your singing. So my singing, I've, I'm pretty sure the fans really hate me because I've been teasing my music for about two years. Um, but I'm such a perfectionist, and you only make a first impression once, right? So I wanted to make sure that my first step out there as a musical artist was the strongest and most authentic that it could be. And I finally feel like I'm in a place where I'm really, just really content and really happy with everything that I'm making. It's very honest, very open, and very true to um, who I am. So I'm very excited to be sharing that soon. Was was singing first or acting for you? Um, music was always a very, very big part of my life. Um, my grandfather was an opera singer back in Albania, where I'm from. And um, but my my parents <clears throat> kept me away from singing at a young age, just because it tends to it can ruin your voice if you don't take care of it properly. So, uh, so I started acting first and then started taking singing lessons when I was about 11 or 12. Okay. So doing all of that. So you were, even though you talked about these athletes and how much they train as a child, you did a lot. So you, you kept busy, didn't you? With all the different types of lessons and things like that. I was such a, keener such an overachiever look back and I'm like how did I even do that I don't understand <laughs> I, I was uh, very ambitious still am of course um, but yeah I yeah. was uh, all over the place as a kid <laughs> you, you, you seem you seem very ambitious for sure and then uh, like I said not last but not least you also have um, a, uh, a cosmetics brand that you're promoting and stuff like that tell us about that Yes, so I partnered with a um, Canadian brand called DDM Cosmetics, and everything is vegan, all natural, paraben-free, animal cruelty-free, and uh, it's just been such a fantastic experience. I love makeup. I'm the girliest girl you will ever meet. Um, So when this opportunity came across across me, I, I couldn't say no. It was such a fascinating experience in a world that I really didn't know much about. So it was a huge learning curve as well. So in Canada, is uh, Degrassi really, really popular as well? It sounds like that, especially with them partnering for cosmetics. Tell us your Canadian audience, especially we do have a a radio station, uh, internet radio station in Montreal. Tell us the popularity of the show in Canada. We could talk about the States, but for our listeners internationally and understand Degrassi and how how iconic it is. 
the grassy is pretty big in Canada. I mean, it's been going for 35 years, so um, it has quite the following, and it's really fun. I've had some very, very funny um, fan encounters. I was, I was in the airport line, and I had someone taking a video of me. I was getting my blood work done just to check out oh make sure everything's good. And somebody was taking a video of me. I was like, oh, okay, this is what it's like. I can't imagine what Justin Bieber must be going through. And it's amazing because, again, when you go internationally, and I'm sure when you're singing too, Anna, it's, that's going the same thing's going to happen. Uh, you're going to be popular in other countries more than others, and you'll go to those countries, and you'll be a rock star until you make your big, big break in the U.S. I've talked to the singers before that. That's such the great thing about international, isn't it? It, it really is. As long as I uh, continue to, you know, communicate with the fans and just, you know, thank them for being a part of my journey every step of the way, I think, I think we'll be good. So you think the fans, that it seems like you really want to stay connected to your fans. That sounds like one of the things you keep mentioning, understanding where you've come and how you've gone, and especially in singer, actress, and uh, product line, you know your fans are what will make your Sorry, he got, it got cut off a little bit at the end. There, oh, no, cut but, off. Yeah. I said that your fans, your fans will make the success, Anna. Your fans yeah, are the ones that will help make your success. Yeah. Absolutely. The fans the fans have all the power nowadays, um, with especially with social media. And that's something we, we uh, tap on in, in the show as well. But social media just plays such a huge part in, in the success of artists and shows and anything these days. So I think it's really important to – to acknowledge that they are the reason that I have a job, really. So I, I, I need to remember that. No, you, you definitely need to remember that, and the success continues uh, for you. So where can we connect with you on social media and stuff, Anna? So I am on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my tag, my handle is at the Anagolia. And then I'm also on Snapchat, which is as my legal name, which will be my artist name, um, at Moazana, M-U-A-Z-A-N-A. All right. Well, thanks for uh, coming by to talk. Uh, again, uh, this, you, uh, we can go to Netflix right now to watch uh, the season two of Degrassi Next Class and also go and check out your movie as well and all the things. So great success, continued success for you. And then thanks for taking the time. Thank you so much, Neil. Have a fantastic day. You too. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. You're listening to Total Celebrity Show, and we'll be back in just a moment. David, are you on the line? Yes, I am. Um, So I'm excited to welcome the program. David E. Stanley, author of My Brother Elvis, David, thanks for calling. I was reading the prologue of the book, and I'm really intrigued by it. Thank you again for uh, giving me that information before, because I, too, was in the entertainment business as a professional wrestler, and I see a lot of parallels from going out on the road in wrestling and going out on the road and in, in, uh, going to concert to concert and traveling with your brother. Well, yes, I, I could I could only imagine so. I mean, being out on the road like that with access to everything sometimes can be uh, detrimental to one's health. Oh, it definitely can, and especially because it's such a crazy schedule, isn't it, David? Yes, it is. I mean, when I was touring with Elvis Presley in the 70s, we'd do 15 shows in 15 nights in 15 different cities. I mean, it was a grueling right. schedule. We'd do, we'd do Las Vegas. We'd play Vegas for 30 days, two shows a night. For 30 days, at 60 shows a month, it was, it was. I mean, Elvis worked hard. I mean, it, you, like you said, you come from that world of being on the road. You never stop. You're always going. Yeah, when I was a pro wrestler, I was wrestling uh, in a territory right outside Memphis, Tennessee. I did work for Jerry Lawler for some time, and you, you, we worked six, seven nights a week, just going from town to town to town to town. And literally, it's draining. And sometimes, do two shows in one day. So it just the thing is that you either go to a, you either you're so like uh, I guess 
fired up after a show, you don't want to go to bed, right, David? So then the drug. Well, that's true. And, 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 yeah. and, and in Elvis's case, that's where the medication came in. A couple of things to sleep, a couple of things to get up, you know, and unfortunately, two went to four, four to six, six to eight different pills. In the last two years of his life, he was up to 33 sleeping pills a night and nine shots of Demerol a night just to go to sleep. And then to wake up the next day counteracted by some sort of amphetamine. And that, that you know, prescription of, of drug abuse, you know, started innocently as this prescription medication. It went from use to abuse, and eventually it cost Elvis's life. It, and and, and that's, that's the too bad thing about it is that we don't understand our, our greatest uh, entertainers, athletes. They kill themselves just to perform. And we don't know the effects afterwards for that, for sure. We do, well, they, 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 do, they do kill themselves to do it, and almost literally in Elvis's case, I could see the need for something to sleep and something to get up. I could see that need, but that need went to abuse, and then after the abuse, it, it was driven by addiction. Once he got addicted, he couldn't stop, and that's, you know, it happened to Michael, it happened to Prince, it's happened to countless yeah. other hundreds of people in the entertainment business, and it happens in families, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, moms and dads, husbands and wives. I mean, that's the whole theme behind the book is prescription drug abuse can take a life. And if it can happen to Elvis and other entertainers, from wrestlers to rock stars, it can happen to anybody. It can. And, David, when you got thrown into this at 16 years old, you had no idea once you started traveling on the road with Elvis like things were like this, did you? Well, that's true. I lived at Graceland for 12 years, even before I went to work for Elvis. I moved in when I was four years old as a result of my mother, who had divorced my father. She remarried Vernon Presley, Elvis's widowed father, and Elvis became my stepbrother. And I moved into Graceland, and I was living there for 12 years before I even went to work for him, and I never saw any signs of medications or drugs of any sort. Then when I started touring with him in 72, I got on the tour plane, and there was a doctor. I said, what's this guy for? Oh, Elvis needs him. He needs some things to sleep and get up. And then that, I saw Elvis go from 167 to 172 pounds, looking sharp, to 255 pounds, slurring his words, almost falling off the stage, canceling shows. And I realized this guy's got a very, very serious drug problem. Doctors giving it out like candy. Doctors more concerned with their back pockets than their code of ethics. Elvis addicted. The combination was lethal. And 39 years ago this week, I walked in his bathroom and discovered his lifeless body. It was truly a tragic day and a tragic loss. Oh my gosh! So you were the one that discovered his body again, because uh, I'm 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 43 years old, David. So I don't remember really when Elvis died. I did not know you were the one that found his body. Oh I was amongst the first. It was myself. It was myself and two or three. There was three different other a, a couple of guys that converged before I walked in. Just as I walked in, we we they were rolling him over. It was a tragic day. It definitely a tragic day, and you too suffered from the same thing. Because you were exposed to it, correct? Of taking that a medication. Well, yeah, yeah. I'm on the road at, you know, I go on the road with Elvis at 16 years old. So I'm 16, 17, 18, 19 years old with total access to the world and everything in it and freedom from, no restraints from doing anything I wanted to do. So I'm, I'm getting high, blowing coke, smoking weed, drinking scotch, sucking down some beers, partying all the time, chasing girls. I mean, it was just the rock and roll lifestyle. But when Elvis died, when I discovered his body and I said to myself, if it can happen to him, I'm going to be next. So his death was sort of my resurrection, his passing, my wake-up call to my road oh, to wow. redemption. So it took me a couple of years to overcome the addictions. And then somebody said, tell me, share your story. And I was in a church, and somebody said, share your story. And I got up and shared my story, and then somebody else said, share it. And all of a sudden, I'm speaking in high schools and colleges and institutions and corporations and churches and sharing my story of overcoming adversity or triumph over adversity of addiction. And so I've been doing that since 1980. I mean, I own my own entertainment company. I'm a filmmaker, author, writer, producer, but I'm also a speaker. Using my book and using my story to communicate the dangers of prescription drug abuse. Again, 78 people who die today of prescribed drug overdose. 15 million people affected every year. And so I use my past as Elvis's stepbrother. I share great memories as well. But when I share the dangers of addictions from a firsthand perspective, to lose an, an icon of the stature of Elvis Presley, it has a tendency to get attention. And if we can save one person, then it'll be worth it. It definitely, we could, if we could save one person, it's worth it. Uh, I had a conversation with, uh, it's very interesting, David, Dr. Conrad Murray about the story of Michael. 
And I oh, was wow. just blown away about what – I interviewed him a couple weeks ago. And uh, the, the Michael Jackson fan club is still not happy with me. But I, I listened to his story and heard the things, and I said, my gosh, these poor people. And I know it because I was on the road in Bremen, Germany alone, and we wrestled every night like twice or three times on like almost like a concrete wrestling ring. And I literally got to the point where I had to take a couple – prescription drugs that were not because my back was so hurt. I couldn't go out and do the right. wrestling the next yeah, day. I, could so imagine. I, know exactly, I didn't get addicted. Thank God. But, uh, I, I know and, and alcohol could have been an addiction as well if I would have continued. So the problem with entertainment is that literally we need a, a, a platform like yourself to tell people you got, you can't, you can't do this. This is going to kill you. And stay away from it. So, David, I'm sure that you are staying away from these temptations once you oh, saw yeah. what happened to your brother. Yeah. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.